Hello, and welcome to this podcast. I am Dr. Cindy Brannon, founder of Keeping Her Keys. In this episode, I am going to be talking about soul retrieval and leading you through a guided meditation to facilitate your experience of calling back those pieces of yourself that are missing. If you're familiar with my work, uh, you may know that uh, I teach about the crossroads of psychology, spirituality, and witchcraft. I teach modern practices such as thought management, um, reframing, coping skills, and I teach spiritual practices that come from a wide variety of paths as a longtime researcher and student of different experiences of the sacred. For me, I experience the sacred through the form of the goddess Hecate. Hecate is an ancient, ancient goddess. Even her name um, dates back thousands of years. And in our modern times, it is so important for us to reclaim this sacred goddess. She may come to you in different guises, with different faces, but she is the return of the divine feminine power that has been ostracized and vilified by our society for so long, by the power structure. So all of my work is greatly guided by this goddess I experience as Hecate. And with my experience for over 25 years um, as a psychologist, I have a doctorate in applied social psychology. I worked for years in academia and um, healthcare in women and children's health, developing programs to help women cope with caregiving, recover from depression, and the like. And I also spent a great deal of time studying stress, trauma, and relationships and attachment. I'm an herbalist, an energetic healer, trained in various modalities. I identify personally as a witch, which is the word that speaks the most truth to my soul. There is a congruence between the word witch and who I am in my deepest regions of myself. This is important to consider when we are discussing the subject of soul retrieval. I do not come to the topic of soul retrieval lightly. Soul retrieval is a subject with great gravitas. Soul retrieval is the process of calling back either our entire soul if it's gone missing or pieces of our soul that may have gone missing due to trauma, invalidation, chronic stress, the need to adapt to a world that doesn't 
want us to reclaim our wild, true self that is born of our eternal, beautiful soul. Soul retrieval, thus, is a process. It's not obtained solely through one meditation or ritual, although the meditation and ritual will bring the pieces back. It is up to us to prepare ourselves to go into soul retrieval and then it is up to us afterwards to stitch the pieces back in. So what is the soul? That's a good question. You know, there's so many different ways of understanding the soul. I'm going to talk just a little bit about my method for understanding the soul. The soul is our eternal being. The soul chooses to incarnate within a particular self. That self is our mind, our personality, our body. And the self has the experiences of any life. Now the shadow is our teacher. The shadow is our companion in each life. The shadow is the aspects of who we are that contain our fears, our hurts, our wounds, the parts of ourselves that we don't want to bring into the light. Now for some of us, of course, our self, our truth, because our self in any incarnation is the truth of who we are supposed to be in this embodiment. Our self has been so abused, so beaten up, that the self itself retreats. And that our shadow side, you know, the fear, the distress, the depression, the anxiety, that is what's running the show in our lives. That's the process right there. And when the, 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 the shadow is in control, what happens is that the shadow is like chains that bind the self. When the shadow is in control, when the self is in control, we're freed from the chains and the shadow is healed and tamed and integrated. The shadow must be integrated with the self so that we can become whole. But when the self has withered due to abuse and hardship, invalidation and the like, the shadow emerges and the self is bound. And you know, often these chains that bind are imposed by others. And as the self gets wrapped tighter and tighter in these chains, it's like our soul squeezes out of us and goes away. And the shadow is running the soul, the, the whole show at this point, you know, those aspects of ourselves. So 
What we do in the process of spiritual awakening to our soul, to freeing ourselves so that we may live this, this life that we've been given and do our great work that we're here to do, learn the lessons of this incarnation. What we do when the soul gets so squeezed out of us and it takes flight um, within my teaching, it takes flight to the sacred womb cave of Hecate where she safeguards it until we are ready uh, to reclaim it to our own. So that is where the soul goes. We can lose the whole soul. We can be so tightly squeezed by those chains that have been placed around us that, you know, like the soul is just completely squeezed out of us and goes back to this sacred place. And that sacred cave, of course, it's like a place that resides within us too. So it is, there's a lot to contemplate in terms of understanding the self, soul, and shadow for sure. And um, if you're pursuing soul retrieval, I ask you to consider this process of being squeezed by chains and the soul in a way kind of popping out of ourself, but in an also way, it's like, we're so tightly bound that it's just restricted, 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 restricted within us. So because the cave is within us, but it's like it's in this deep, deep, deep vessel that we can't access deep in the earth, deep in the, ourselves. And that's really about awakening to the sacredness that we are that the power of soul retrieval, of transformation, of the sacred is within us. And breaking the chains that bind is about going in so deep that you literally go outside of yourself. That you break the illusion of separation between yourself and the deeper world. And you get back to that place where you can find yourself at the crossroads and choose to enter that cave and bring back those pieces of your soul. And Hecate, as the eternal mother, the skeleton woman, the bone rattler, the keeper of keys, the night-wandering goddess of the underworld, she is the guardian of the soul and she resides within us. She is part of our soul self, very much so. We are the embodiment of the soul and the soul is born of Hecate, the eternal one, Kyria, the supreme keeper of keys, queen of keys, beautiful, guardian of the crossroads, so many aspects of Hecate have been handed down to us across the centuries in spite of how she was vilified and denigrated by the power structure. And here we must consider for a few moments how the power structure is involved with our 
soul loss. You know, it's it's a force that greatly influences our own ability to live true. The societal chains that can bind us are so powerful. And the process of soul retrieval, of calling back that beautiful eternal self that is your soul, that crosses lifetimes, it's very much also the process of resisting the power structure that would say, this is crazy, this isn't real, it's all in your head, because they want us to stay in primitive mind. So think about that. Primitive mind is when we purely exist within the material world. That's primitive mind. When we're focused on, only on, um, you know, scrambling to make ends meet, that we're always reacting to stimuli in the world, we're not creating, we're not choosing, we're not being empowered, we see ourselves as victims rather than survivors. Primitive mind is the mind of the shadow. It is the mind that says, I want, I need, I lack, I'm less than, I have to buy these things or look this way, I have to fit in, I have to conform. That is primitive mind. Evolved mind is the mind when we are attuned to our soul and living from ourself. Evolved mind says, yes, I have problems, some big problems, and I have all I need to solve those problems. And I know that the key to solving these problems is staying attuned to my soul self, that I am more powerful, more capable, stronger than my shadow would have me believe, than that primitive mind would have me know. That is the evolved mind or the ascended mind. And that is the mind of the self that is in tune with the soul. When we have an evolved mind, we have broken free of those chains and we have retrieved those pieces of the soul, and we have received their wisdom, stitching them back in so that we are whole. The evolved mind is a mind that is whole, a mind that is in tune with the deeper world. Now, this isn't to say, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with primitive mind, and there's nothing wrong with um, the shadow being in control of your life, per se. Many, many people live this way, and they do okay. They're distressed, they're miserable, um, they hate their jobs, they don't like their spouse or partner, their kids are troublesome to them. Everything is overwhelming all the time. That is primitive mind. When we engage in the process of attuning to our, our truth, you know, that soul, getting ourself, which is our persona in this life, our, our personality characteristics, our abilities and such. When we are in tune, these things will not change, but it is our energy, our vibration that is in tune with our soul so we can handle and manage things 
because we know we are the embodiment of something eternal and so much greater than we are. We can handle things. Life is difficult. Life is designed to be difficult. It is our school where we learn. And some of us are in a different classroom than others. Some of us are here in this classroom that it's kind of like the advanced class, you know. And so there's many things happening to us in this life. Lots of things, troubling things, abuse, pain, illness, loss, just hardship. And it comes to us because we're in a different classroom. Our classroom is the one that's that's about really listening to the soul, really rising strong, really going into the darkness to look at all those pieces of ourselves, call back the pieces, and stand in the fullness of our own torch light. That is our classroom. And when the soul the shadow was in control, it's like we're in the wrong classroom. You know, we're over here with this classroom and these students. They're like doing different things than we are. It's not where we belong. And we get bored um, and we're not fulfilled and we get in trouble and we have a whole lot more pain and distress and all these things happening to us. Because instead of being in the class that is teaching us that all things come to us to teach us and to help us evolve and get to evolved mind, we're in the classroom where the discussion on evolved mind and the soul isn't even occurring. So it's not the classroom we belong in. And what happens, of course, is when we find ourselves in this wrong classroom, it's like the air in there is really bad for us. We can't breathe. And it's very dehydrating to our soul. So our souls become parched. And it's not nourishing. So we're starving. And then we, when we first say, oh yeah, I'm in the wrong place. I don't belong here. I should find the place where I belong. That is the beginning of the journey. Back to yourself. Back to attunement. And to developing evolved mind. It's the journey back to the classroom where we belong. And since you're here listening to this podcast, you're already on that journey. You know, you've realized that being in that wrong classroom was just not good for you. Now, your soul may be still dry as a bone. Your soul belly may be still pretty empty. But you're here with me and you're on your way. In Keeping Her Keys, there are three core rituals that offer the path of nourishment that will lead to attunement between the self and soul and will calm and integrate the shadow. So you learn from the shadow. You're not controlled by the shadow. This is profound work. It is not to be taken lightly or rushed. It is not to be undertaken if you are particularly vulnerable in an unhealthy way. And by this, I'm saying like if you are very depressed, extremely anxious, if you're otherwise unstable, I don't recommend either the soul retrieval or any of the other parts of what is known as the rituals of the sacred cave. 
And by saying like very significantly depressed, anxious, etc., in great um, emotional and psychological turmoil, I mean really, really there. Moderately depressed or anxious, um, as long as you are performing the activities of everyday life, going to your job if you have one, you know, getting up in the morning or afternoon whenever you get up and, you know, taking care of yourself, getting clean, getting fed, um, you know, if you're doing some spiritual work, whether it's journaling or meditation, moon rituals, casting spells, you know, putting your crystals, um, in your bra and using them for healing. If you're doing these kinds of things, even if you're still anxious and distressed, that's a sign that you're not to that point where this kind of deep work is not appropriate. Of course, you have to make the decision that is 100% right for you at all times. But as a psychologist, I'm saying that this is not work when you are in full-blown crisis mode. Deal with the crisis and then when you can, come back. This work will always be here. I share a free version of the rituals of the sacred cave um, that can be found. And I will post that link in the description for this podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast and you are a member of Keeping Her Keys, our beautiful modern online coven, and I say coven in the most glorious sense that we are a collective of witches and seekers and healers who are dedicated to exploring the deeper world together while maintaining our individual sovereignty. So if you're in the Keeping Her Keys coven, we do this cycle over the course of a year the rituals of the sacred cave. In the fall, we do what's known um, publicly, I guess, but also within the coven, we call it this, the death walking ritual of release. And then in the late winter-ish, we do um, the soul retrieval journey. And then um, in May, we do the rebirth ritual. And I really recommend that if you're doing this, um, you know, the DIY version that I offer publicly, that you give yourself space like this as well, at least six weeks between each phase, perhaps more. This is deep work that is not to be rushed, and you need the space in between to allow for the processing, for the healing and recovery um, for you to really make the experience your own and to receive the messages and teachings that will come through in the dream time, um, signs that you may also receive in waking life. And a lot will happen after each of these rituals. So what we call the death walking ritual of release is basically a banishment of all that no longer serves. So I have a whole podcast that talks about this cycle, so I'm just going to pr briefly go over the cycle here. Um, so the death walking ritual of release is very much about breaking those chains for the first time. And it's like we come 
we know there is that spark of the soul even when the soul is that bound there is that spark of the soul that burns that persists that yearning it's like crying it's like i'm in the wrong classroom i'm bound i'm parched i need nourishment and it's like it keeps crying out and when we are finally um, able to get into the work we're like the walking dead, right? Or the waking dead, whatever you want to call it. And we often find ourselves, you know, like crying on the bathroom floor and, you know, just saying, this is going to stop. This is fucking got to stop. I can't live like this anymore. I need to just be me. I need to awaken to my purpose. And so that is the moment which we call the Nissa, the, thresh the threshold, where we cross into knowing that we need to nourish the soul. We're still bound at this point. And we drag ourselves, be draggled, bound, drag ourselves to the point where we are ready to release those chains, to become unbound. It is a process, and that is the death walking ritual of release. Once those chains are unbound, we're like, and if you've ever physically been bound, you'll know the sensation that it's good, it's liberating, it's like, yeah, I'm free, finally. But we feel very weird because we functioned so long um, as this bound self where the shadow was in control and our self was just bound and it's a whole new way of being. And this is why we need time to recover from the unbinding. And it's like once we go through the death walking ritual of release, the chains are freed and we need the space to go through the period of time where we learn to walk freely. We learn the self has been freed, the shadow aspects are, you know, we hold their hand basically and say, I am going to walk with you into these dark places of my life. And this is where soul retrieval comes in. Soul retrieval is we have walked into the dark places. We've understood our aggression, our fear, our experiences. We've healed and the shadow is becoming more integrated. And we've realized, we've remembered, it's like, oh, there was this thing that happened to me, this horrific thing, and I feel like a piece of me was sacrificed on the altar of my soul um, so I could survive that horrible thing, that my soul had to take flight. Um, and here I am, unbound. My shadow has become part of who I am. You know, because when I'm bound, there's no room for, you know, uh, integration because I'm so bound. So it's like, here I am, the dance of shadow and soul. I am on my way to wholeness. And I've realized I need this other thing back. Some pieces are like shadow. Like, you know, you scrub yourself in the, the bath and you scrub something off. And it's like, oh, I'm glad that got, that's gone. There are some pieces that don't come back. And those are in our soul because everything in our soul is exactly what we need it to be, exactly as it's supposed to be. Nothing will come back to you that isn't part of who you are. Um, 
And the final part is rebirth. So it's like we go through, we release the chains that bind, we go through the process of integration, the dance of shadow and self and shadow and soul, getting that vibe back, that beautiful incorporation where we're expanding because we're no longer bound. We call back the pieces of our soul. Again, we're becoming more and more of our glorious full self. And then we go through the rebirth ritual, which is the process of having all of these pieces that we've called back to ourselves, the releasing, all of this work we've been doing. We are cleansed in Hecate's cauldron of rebirth, where anything that no longer is necessary, we've learned the lessons, or any pain, you know, any little chains we've got here or there, binding things, binding parts of us, all those things are completely broken down. And what's left is our beautiful soul of exactly who we are. And then Hecate and her priestesses help us come back together. But we come to the cauldron with all of We've done all the work. You know, we've claimed all the keys. We're like, here we are, Mother, in this moment. I've got all the pieces. I've stitched them back together the best I could. So now I'm stepping into this cauldron of my own free will so that with your wisdom and power and grace, I can be fully, fully uh, rebuilt into my most glorious self that is truly attuned to my soul. So those are the three stages. A lot of this, of course, is recovery from programming that was inflicted upon us for other, from others. Now, if you identify as a witch, a wild woman, or another form of deep soul, that comes full of magic, medicine, and mystery, if this is who you are, then your soul is a special soul. It's not like the souls of the kids in the other classroom. Your soul is in a different place, a different classroom, if you will. And as such, when you do the soul retrieval work, what you may experience is a retrieval of memories of who you were across lifetimes. And this can certainly happen. You may also really get into that core. You know, Hecate as Anima Mundi is the very soul of the world and witches and wild women and other wild folk, we are kissed by that anima mundi, that fire of the world, that essence, that deep, we have a big dose of that essence, right? So when we get back into soul retrieval, we're getting back into that big essence of ours. We are big, big souls. There's a lot. So you may remember past lives. You may remember times before your embodiment, any embodiment. Lots of things may happen. You may go way, way, way back to before the sacred within 
the sacred of wildness was um, expunged and ostracized by uh, <clears throat> the patriarchy. And it's often easy to say that this is all about Christianity. However, there's also some truth, especially for women, that we were subject to the patriarchal forces that would deny us our power long before the rise of Christianity. Although Christianity, of course, made it a thousand, thousand percent worse. And we are here um, as witches, like within the coven, and my readers, and all of you beautiful listeners, we are here remembering a lot. Retrieval is remembering, right? We're going to remember within this life the things that we have lost because our truth was discongruous with those around us and how we were treated by society. And then we're remembering what like, we've carried with us across all these incarnations. This is a lot. And that's why I said, you know, if you're really in crisis mode, this isn't the time for the work. Um, now, you may also be wondering if you have to do the three rituals of the sacred cave in order. And I would say, ideally, yes, do them over a course of several months. However, what is important is that the release has occurred. You may have found that release through the death walking ritual, or you may have found it a different way. The release is what matters. So if you are feeling unbound, freed, liberated, stronger, that you're really in tune with your shadow and self, and that you're in this position where you have space because you've unbound from the chains, that you can do the soul retrieval and have those pieces find a space within you, then I would say it's not necessary to do that exact death walking ritual of release. There's many other ways to achieve release through meditation, um, through kind of spontaneous release, through our moon rituals of release. So there's many ways to unbind yourself from those chains and that is what matters far more than any specific ceremony. That's what's most important. If you are still feeling super bound, I highly recommend not going into soul retrieval and either doing the death walking ritual of release or doing another program of releasing work. You deserve the time it takes to do this work properly. Rushing it will not result in better results. Trust me, I've, I've guided hundreds of people through this process and the rushing always leads to a boomerang where the shadow is in control and we are struggling. And it can also lead to really difficult um, regressions where pieces of the soul are trying to come back to us, but we're still bound. And it's like those pieces are trying to come back in, but we're still tightly bound and the shadow is still in control. So those soul pieces can kind of latch on 
um, to the shadow or latch on and rattle the chains. And it can be a very unsettling time. Regression often occurs after a soul retrieval. And if you have gone through the process of releasing um, and good preparation for the soul retrieval, you will weather that fine. So regression is what happens. So you call the pieces back to yourself and you go through the weeks afterwards of stitching those pieces of the soul back into you. And it's really phenomenal, you know, to work with our plant allies, our stone spirits, our spirit guides, Ecate, Medea, and Circe are amazing goddesses who will help with this stitching, the restitching process. Persephone is also very powerful for this restitching as well. And you may have goddesses and deities um, you know, that come to you and say, I am here to help you stitch yourself back together. So all of these, you know, like, so these are all aspects of what the soul retrieval process is about. And having those guides in place will help with managing the regression back to the time when the pieces were lost. It could be a regression back to a previous incarnation, and it could be a regression back to a younger version of you. Typically, what happens is that the majority of soul loss occurs kind of between the ages of four and 14-ish, that this is when we are taught through various methods, horrible methods, that our essence is incorrect and that it needs to shut up and be bound. So you may kind of regress back to your teenage self. Um, You may find yourself revisiting and eating foods that you really enjoyed when you were, say, five or six years old. Um, It's important to know that this is a natural part of the integration and to be aware that this may happen. And again, the releasing process is going to create this space within you that all of this can occur um, in a way that is balanced and sustaining rather than disturbing. So just like I said, go gentle, regression may occur. This is where journaling comes in. So great whether you make audio notes to yourself or you know write in your notebook or draw pictures of the experience of soul retrieval that that because the sacred because the soul seeks to create it is the creative force that creating things however it looks to us we may dress Um, For example, like the piece that came back, we are being creative and expressing and giving the pieces that come back voice and welcoming them. So, you know, it's a, it is a interesting period of time after we do a soul retrieval for a certain. (laughs) 
It is also wise um, when you're doing the soul retrieval, if you're doing it here on your own, by listening to the meditation that's coming up very soon, it's also wise to talk to this about, um, a, talk to this story with a trusted friend. Um, if you have a mentor or a teacher, or perhaps you have a friend and the two of you are doing this together, which is so beautiful. Isn't that just a trusting experience? To get in touch. If you're in the coven and you're doing this on your own, of course you can get in touch with me or the staff or one of the mentors and we are here to support you. It's really good to let that person, whoever it is, know in advance that you're going to be doing this and then check in uh, with them a couple of days or the day after you do the journey. And if you do have questions for me, you're welcome to email them to info at keepingherkeys.com. And um, I do read everything or the staff read everything if I can't get to it. But that is always the best way to get a hold of me. I can't kind of always get to all of the messages on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest. But info at keepingherkeys.com will definitely be read. What else do you need to know before we start our meditation? So what allies do you need to bring in with you? Avian allies, our bird spirit guides, are amazing to take into the cave for soul retrieval. So if you have a bird ally, be it hawk or crow or gull or owl, those are amazing allies that you can call when we first start the meditation. I also recommend that we have plant spirit allies with us on this journey as well, if that is possible for you. I write and teach a lot about botanical witchcraft, and you can search on Google for the death walking oil. You can also search for my article on Hecate's Garden and my book, Hecate's Garden, The Magic, Medicine, and Mystery of Plant Spirit Witchcraft. And you'll find lots of ways in there to augment the experience of soul retrieval, you know, to make sure you go safely in, have a maximal experience and a restorative period after of stitching back together. Um, in general, the death walking oil is excellent for any of the rituals of the sacred cave. It really helps us to separate from our corporeal being, you know, to give death to the corporeal self so we can go deep into the spirit world within. And it helps us awaken so we are no longer the waking, walking dead ourselves. So I recommend that. Um, in the coven, we do this with what's known as the golden, a golden goddess blend as well, which is a mixture of saffron, mugwort, yarrow, and dittany of Crete if you can obtain it. So excellent stones as well. Pink quartz during and after is an amazing ally. 
Um, Shungite is also phenomenal to accompany us into this kind of work. I always enjoy having um, a clear quartz point on me because the clear quartz will attune to whatever my vibrational essence is requiring in any moment. Um, and Moonstone, of course, is just absolutely phenomenal for really connecting to that sacred soul of the witch that lives within you and going deep into magic, medicine, and mystery. Um, in terms of what you should be doing leading up to this, again, like I said, it's a period of release and preparation. Meditation, such as what we call in the coven, the Anamaram Nissa, what is known publicly as the unifying the three cells meditation that can be found in my wheel of the year podcast. I think it starts at about minute 45. That's excellent for going into this period. I also recommend um, really working on your breath, such as with my Hecate's breath chant that you can find on the YouTube channel. Uh, certainly other breath work and meditation will get you in the place you need to be. Um, and those are just my recommendations. One technique that's really helpful is about a week before you do the soul retrieval is to create a soul beacon candle. And so this candle, you light it every day and do your meditation and contemplate for a few moments what you're calling back and what are you endeavoring to do. It's getting ready for something that's very, very special. Um, in the same way that you would prepare, you know, for a wedding ceremony in everyday life. You know, there's lots to be done to prepare for this. And this is like, um, you know, this is a wedding in a way that you're coming back with yourself. You know, you, but it's, it's, it's a wedding where, self and shadow and soul are all reunited so it's like a three-way dance a beautiful tango that consists of a integrated shadow creating a whole self and the whole self saying hey i've got a few little pieces here missing i'm gonna go back or maybe a lot of pieces sometimes our whole self goes away and now i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna get those pieces and i am going to have wholeness if you may also want to consider taking one of my master classes at this point, um, if you're deep into this work, the Sacred Seven is um, seven lessons that take you on the journey from healing to wholeness. And the Mistai, the Red Key, is um, the master class of spiritual Hecatean witchcraft. As for when you actually do the meditation, when you listen to the meditation, really just be comfortable. That is, you know, like however you are comfortable. Um, you know, if you're taking a tincture or an infusion or using an oil, it's always good to do that at least to get half an hour before starting to get to let it kind of soak through your corporeal self and activate, um, you know, all the neurotransmitters and neural networks that of course are reflected in our energetic being as well. So you want to get all of those kind of fired up and going. 
so you'll be able to get into trance better. Other than that, um, you know, light your incense, get your crystals around you. Maybe if you're calling an uh, avian ally, have a representation of the bird with you. So all just create a beautiful little altar around where you're going to be doing uh, the retrieval, where you can really attune to and activate that energy um, as you go deep within this work. It is always advisable to create a sacred closed energetic container before doing the work. In the coven, we use the Kurnips ritual, our Anamaram Sacris, which is our foundational ritual um, component of banishing the profane. And that's created by unifying a burning herbal sprig with pure water and then using uh, the water to anoint yourself and to asperge the space. It's always good to protect yourself next. And this is the second part of our threefold ritual. So the protection can be achieved through a candle that you extend the flame around you to create a protective nourishing space within that the flame also burns away any harm. And then the final part of our threefold ritual, of course, is the blessing, which we typically offer through sacred smoke. So you can um, light your sacred smoke or welcome in your animal and crystal allies at this point as the blessing. And the blessing, of course, extends to receiving the medicine of the soul retrieval. So that's a lot to take in. You may want to listen to this podcast a couple of times up to this point. Make sure you have your altar created so you can bless yourself. Make sure you have a banishing tool ready, whether it's kernips or some other object or tool or medicine to banish the profane from your space, a candle for protection, and then a blessing, which can be your crystals or sacred smoke or your animal allies, and then you're all ready to go get comfortable and when you're ready we shall begin so let's begin by banishing the profane And you can say after me, I banish the profane from my life. And if you're sprinkling the water, you can sprinkle it now as I'm sprinkling it here. Anoint yourself with the water, crown, heart, and root. Light your candle. 
Hold the candle at heart center. Creating a circle. Beautiful circle. Clockwise for protection. Moving the candle, seeing yourself totally protected and safe. Placing the candle back on your altar. Now let's move into the blessing. And I offer you the blessing of my avian allies, owl, crow, and gull. May they watch you. May they join with your own allies. I offer you the blessing of Dittany, which is of remembrance, of Mugwort, which eases the way into the deepest accesses of ourself, of sacred saffron, glorious fire that will help us see where we are going, and beautiful healing yarrow. To clear quartz, pink quartz, shungite. They all come forward now and join with your crystals as you hold them and activate them and attune to and welcome in their medicine. Take a moment here. Connecting with the medicine that you're using for blessing your soul retrieval. Drinking it in. Taking the breath, drinking it in. Feeling your soul, beginning to really see those gaps that need to be called back now as all this medicine fills your body, mind, and soul. Make sure you are comfortable, whatever that is for you, and warm. We are going into the cave, the womb cave, the sacred womb cave that lives within and is everywhere. It is the heart of the mother, the womb of the mother. We enter that space by going deep within. Now I'm asking you to proceed into this meditation of your own free will. And if you are not comfortable at this point for any reason, know that you can pause and restart again when you are ready. So let's begin by noticing our breath. <clears throat> 
Take a breath that's deeper. Taking another breath, going deeper still. And now with this breath, you're going deeper still, expanding your rib cage, your belly, pulling it as deep, as deep as you can, all the way down to your sitting bones. You got it there as deep as it can go. Now hold it. One, two, three, four, five, and let it go. And let's do that one more time. Super deep, as deep as you possibly can till the breath is literally crushing on those sitting bones. One, two, three, four, five. Now let it out with great force. And we're going to do this one more time just to get you attuned to that opening space that you need to go into the cave. That's all the way in, way, way down to those sitting bones. Way, way down, past the sitting bones this time, to the soles of your feet. Way, way, way down to the soles of the feet. Feel your feet pushing and pulsing against the earth beneath you. Hold the breath there. One, two, three, four, five, and push it out again. Now we're going to do <coughs> two things. We are going to take that breath to use it to open our third eye, our psychic center. And you're going to pull the breath up this time, up into your sinus cavities. And it's going to work on your spirit self, your etheric body. So let's pull it up into our sinuses. Holding it again for five. One, two, three, four, five. <sighs> now this is our final breath where we create the tether so our physical self is okay and we can come back to our physical self easily as we go deep within ourselves to become pure spirit. Let's do it again. Come on, let's take that breath all the way down to the feet. Now this time, see those feet. See roots extending from your feet, binding you, your physical self, to your environment. Tethering you deep into the earth so your physical self is safe and secure while we journey deep within as spirits. Take a normal breath here for a moment. 
Turn your attention again to your feet. Now I want you to see your feet shifting the gaze to the third eye, softening the feet, seeing the feet with your eyes closed, letting the feet be seen by your spirit self. These are your spirit feet. There's no right or wrong way for your feet to appear. Just let them be. Keep your mind on the feet. All right. Now that you can see your feet, start to look at the ground underneath of your feet. It is hard and gray and kind of damp. It's neither cool nor warm. It's hard, but not uncomfortable. Now let's begin to pull our gaze up from our feet. Looking ahead, we see a long corridor lined with torches. It is dark, but we are not afraid. Your allies may be with you here in this space, or they may have gone on ahead. Now let's walk through this tunnel to the chamber, to the cave. Walking confidently with anticipation. The air crackles with power of healing of the goddess. Now we come to a bridge, a crossroads. Even if your allies and guides had gone on ahead, they are with you now. The birds are resting in a tree, a beautiful tree that curiously is here deep within this cave. Cross over the bridge and enter the inner chamber. The presence of the goddess is so strong, so loving, benevolent, passionate, restorative, true. You are directed to stand in the middle of this chamber. This is your own unique chamber within the cave of the mother. Now 
Once again, look at your feet. As you look at your feet, you realize that you are standing on a wheel. A beautiful wheel that is a labyrinth, that is the coiled serpent, that is the wheel of time. Take a moment here to be open to this wheel, to allow yourself to attune to its energies. The wheel starts to move. And as it moves, it becomes a sphere and you are in the middle of it. It stretches all around you now, enclosing you in this beautiful, translucent, powerful, crackling, sparkling, whirling sphere. The sphere expands until it becomes the very walls of the chamber. Take a few breaths here. Given what's needed to your physical body. Now looking around in this chamber sphere womb that you're in, where the essence of the wheel of time and the goddess is mingling. This is your chamber, so this is your soul. This is your sum totality in this chamber now. You will notice now that there are pieces that are somewhat darkened. And as your attention turns to them, say simply, I call you back. I feel you back in. I call back all the pieces of my soul. And I'll say for you, great Hecate, she who is the wheel of time, she who is the soul of the world, Anima Mundi, this seeker has come here to their inner chamber and has stood in the sphere of their own wheel of time and now is ready to receive back the missing pieces of their soul. Grant them this boon. And the mother comes into your chamber 
and in her hands she holds these keys that are your missing pieces. She offers the keys to you and you take them. And the dark spots on the wall of your soul chamber are immediately turned on as you claim those keys. And there is a wash of wholeness over you of a blessed reunion as those keys are absorbed into your being. All is well with your soul. You are whole. Hecate comes forward now, the mother. With a kiss on your forehead, she takes her leave of your soul chamber. Now stand here absorbing the energy of your soul chamber deep within you. Attuning to it, knowing that all this beautiful vibration essence is who you are. Powerful beyond measure, whole, eternal, wise. Now, if you need more time here, you can pause. Pause my voice and spend more time here, but don't stay too, too long. Now it is time to leave. So let's begin the journey back. See your allies waiting in the tree. They'll probably be ready to fly away with you now, leading you out. Back to the cave entrance where you started. Again, let's look at our feet, using their feet as the way we switch from spirit self to corporeal self. Looking at our feet, we start to come back into our corporeal self, our physical body. Wiggling the toes in your physical self now.
wiggling your sitting bones, shrugging your shoulders. Wiggling your fingers, getting yourself back in your body. Pulling up those roots, those energetic roots, contained and whole. Allowing the third eye to rest naturally because the third eye always knows when its work is done for now. And it is time to switch back into physical you. It's a unified whole, totally able to connect to this essence anytime and attuned to the soul. This is you. I would love to see a huge smile. I'm envisioning it now. Congratulations for doing this work. I fully recommend remaining here with your altar and guides for as long as is comfortable for you. And then after getting yourself a great snack, um, keeping yourself nourished of body and beginning the process of stitching the soul really back in, of sitting with memories and feelings and knowing that you're just doing the most sacred, important work of your life. May you be well blessed by this offering of the soul retrieval. I share it with you freely. It is the teachings of the mother.